In Psalm 118 this morning, the last verse that I read, I want to kind of zero in on today. It says in verse 24, This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. When we think about the day, this is the day that the Lord hath made. You want to know how to have the best new year that you possibly can have as you think about the year coming ahead of us? It's to just live it one day at a time and understand that this is the day that the Lord hath made. And he wants us to rejoice and be glad in it. I read this poem the other day. It says, "'Twas the day after Christmas when all through the place there were arguments and depression. Even mom had a long face. The stockings hung empty and the house was a mess. The new clothes didn't fit and dad was all stressed. The family was irritable and the children no one could please because the instructions for the swing set were written in Chinese. <laughs> the bells no longer jingled and the carolers came, no longer came around. The sink was, cracked, was stacked with dishes and the tree was turning brown. The stores were full of people returning things that fizzled and failed. And the shoppers were discouraged because everything they bought was now on half-price sale. It was the day after Christmas the spirit of joy had disappeared. The only hope on the horizon was 12 bowl games the first day of the new year. And I thought about that, about how true a lot of that is, isn't it? But our year doesn't end with everything fizzling. We have a great God who's been faithful to us and blessed us in many ways. And today marks the last Sunday of 2023, Sunday number 53 of this particular year, day number 365 of the year. And we only have the rest of this day left in 2023, and then we'll be presented by God His gift of 2024. A year that is so big, but I think many of you will agree with me, the older we get, the quicker it goes by, doesn't it? It's hard to believe that this is the last day of 2023, that it's already gone. And when we think about a new year, we think ahead, and that can be a little bit intimidating. I personally think that the new year is best if we take it like eating an elephant. You know how you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Well, you take the new year one day at a time. Just live it one day at a time. And as we think about that, I, I think about a single verse in Scripture that helps us to end the old year and to start the new year, and that's this verse, verse 24. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This day, the last day of 2023, is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I was listening to, I think it was Fox News a little bit yesterday, and they were talking about how people were flooding to Las Vegas to get married on New Year's Eve tonight because it is 12, 23, 20, 12 31, 23, which if you do the numbers, it's 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 3. And I guess because of those magical numbers, they were trying to get married on that particular day. And, and one of the ladies said, well, if you ever forget your anniversary, you're really in trouble because you chose that day because of those numbers. 
But it's the last day of the year, the end of the old year, the start of a new year. And when we think about that, we think that this is the day. This last day is the day the Lord hath made. Tomorrow, the first day of the new year, this is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So as we think about that verse, first of all, I want you to notice the song. I want you to notice the song. As we think about just living one day at a time, keep in mind that the Psalms are actually the songs for the people of the Old Testament. But they were not just any kind of song. They were spiritual songs. They were songs of worship. They were songs of praise to the Lord. The book of the Psalms was the hymnal of the Old Testament Jewish people. But unlike much of our Western poetry that's based on rhyme and meter, Hebrew poetry is based on rhythm and parallelism. Psalm 118 is a psalm of thanksgiving. It was sung by the worshipers as they were in their procession to go to the temple. It was kind of like us singing as we come to church. Let me ask you a question. How many of you on the way to church today in your car, you sang together? How many of you grumbled and complained or said, Hurry up. What? How many of you, somebody was blowing the horn for you to get out? To the, you, anyway, all of that. This, they sang as they went to church. On their procession to church, they sang together. And I'm sure that was an amazing thing because in, the, in, in those days, many of them lived in tents. And if you have ever seen pictures of how all of that was surrounding the tabernacle and so forth and all precisely in order. And I can just see the people coming up the various lanes and so forth and just singing and praising the Lord as they came to church. I think it would make a great difference in our lives and in our church services if we tried that a little bit, singing on our way to church. And they did that. Psalm 118, our chapter here, verse number 8, is the middle verse of the Bible. Look at verse number 8. It says, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. God chose that verse to put it right in the middle of the Bible to remind us again it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. And then our verse, verse 24, this is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. How many of you know the little song, this is the day, this is the day? Let's sing it together. Those of you who know it, got to help the others to learn it, all right? Let's try it. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord hath made that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice, we will rejoice and be glad in it, glad in it. This is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord hath made. Can you imagine if we were all just singing that as we came to church today? What a difference it would make in our spirit and our attitude. So I want you to picture the song. These were people who sang. And as Christians, we ought to have a song in our heart, amen? And we ought to rejoice. Coming to church ought not to be a drudgery. It ought not to be something we have to do. I remember some years ago, there was a man who had an accident out here on 275, and and he, this was before the days when we had our cell phones and all, and he came up to the church to use the phone, and, and he borrowed the phone to call somebody to come and get him because his car was not drivable. And we sat down and talked while he was waiting, and, 
And he said to me, he said, I was, a, I was a preacher's son, and I was raised in a preacher's home. And he said, I was made to go to church Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and revival meetings and missions conferences and Bible school. And he said, I was made to go to church, and I decided when I turned 18, I was never going back to church again. And I said to him, I said, well, you know, I said, I was raised in a preacher's family too. And I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and revival meetings and prayer meetings and everything else. And I said, you know what? I said, when I turned 18, I couldn't wait to go to church. When I turned 19, I didn't tell him this, but when I turned 19, I became the pastor of, the, of my first church that I pastored. But I look forward to going. And all those years today, I still look forward to going to church. See, if you really know the Lord and you understand what he's done for you, you want to come and sing about it and rejoice and tell others about it and spend time with God's people and spend time with the Lord. Church is not something, oh, no, it's Sunday. We got to what do I go, praise the Lord, it's Sunday. We get to go to church. We get to get back and hear about the Lord. And so they sang. It was a joyful thing to come to church as they came, they sang. Secondly, notice with me the segment. The segment. It says, this is the day. Now, God has many great days. What is the day that the Lord has in mind here when he says, this is the day? There are three different ideas that are involved here. The Lord's day is the first day of the week. It's the day in which we celebrate the resurrection of our Savior. It's interesting, the Jewish people called the Sabbath the queen of days. Christians, I believe, ought to call Sunday, the first day of the week, the king of days. Amen? Because we come and worship the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But he talks about that day. That day. Nobody knows the day or the hour when Jesus is going to come back again. We look forward to that day when the trumpet sounds and when we're going to be caught up out of here and be with the Lord. We're to look for and we're to love and we're to pray for that day. In fact, the Lord has a reward promised for those, a crown for those who look for the coming, uh, for his appearing. The verses before this verse, verse 24, are prophecies about the Messiah that were fill, fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we think about that day, we think about that day when Jesus is coming back again. But here in this verse, he says, this day. What about this day? Until that day comes, we're to be challenged to make the most of this day. This day that we live in today. We don't know if the trumpet will sound tonight or today, and we could be, this could be that day. It could be this day and that day in the same day, couldn't it? We're looking forward to that day. But now in this day, the day that we live in today, we're to make the most of it. Some people make the mistake of getting stuck in yesterday. It's so much easier for us to live in the past, to look in the rearview mirror. Other people make the mistake of postponing their living until tomorrow. They're living for tomorrow. And for some people, it's always tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'll trust Christ as my Savior. Tomorrow, I'll be baptized and join the church. Tomorrow, I'll confess my sins and get right with God. I think tomorrow may be the devil's favorite word. Procrastination, put it off. If tomorrow is the devil's favorite word, then today must be God's favorite word. If we are wise, we will make the most of this day, of today. We only have this day. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow hasn't come yet. We haven't a promise of tomorrow. But we have today, this day. 
And if we're wise, we'll make the most of this day. Today, trust Christ as your Savior if you've never done that. Today, follow the Lord in baptism. Today, join the church. Today, confess your sins. Today, get right with God. Today, live for Him. This day. And then notice also not only the song and the segment, but notice the sovereign involved in this verse. He says, this is the day which the Lord hath made. The Lord made this day. Do we really believe that the Lord is at work in this day? He made this day for you. He made this day for me. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Think with, with me, Will, about, if you will, about this day. Our days are shaped by the Lord. And that's wisdom. That's wisdom. Isn't it humbling to realize how little we really have to do with the important things in life? Aren't you glad we have a sovereign God that knows what He's doing? You think for a moment, we didn't choose our parents. God did that for us. We didn't pick our place to be born. God did that. We didn't decide our genetic makeup, which would determine the color of our eyes and our hair and the size of our frame and our IQ. Some of us wish we could have chosen some of those things, but God did that for us. We didn't make the ultimate decision about how short or how long we'll live on this earth. God makes that decision. How do we approach each day? If we are like most people, we go through life in the wrong direction, in the wrong way. The Jewish people, when they looked at each day, it was a little bit different than the way we look at days here in America. You see, they believed that the new day began at sundown. They started their new day with rest, and then they would go to work. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 5, the Bible says the evening and the morning were the first day. You see, our idea is we go to work, and then we try to come home and rest, and we never seem to find it, do we? How many of us believe that God had everything to do with the day that you were born? Amen? You didn't choose that. God chose that for you. And God has everything to do with the day that you're going to die. I don't know if I have one day. I don't know if I have one minute. Vicki and I and our kids were in a meeting some years ago in, in, I hesitate to say this word, these two words, Knoxville, Tennessee. I don't want to say that too loud. But we were in the Thompson Bowling Arena in a meeting there. There was probably fifteen to 17,000 people. And the preacher was preaching. And while he was preaching, he died in the pulpit. When he, he just collapsed, when he hit the floor, he was still talking. And the doctor said he was gone already. I don't want to die that way. I've had people, I've had preachers say, I want to die in the pulpit. Not me. I saw what it did to the audience that day when that preacher died. I don't want to die while I'm preaching. Some of you may feel like you're dying while I'm preaching, but that's a different story. <laughs> But honestly, I don't have any choice about it, do I? Neither do you. God's the one who chooses that time. What about this day? Who chose this day for you and me? God did. 
What about every day? It is God who shapes our days. It is God who shapes our life. He makes our days for us. That means they are special ordered. If this is the day that the Lord hath made, God has made this day for you, He specially ordered it. David said in Psalm 23, Psalm 37, 23, he said, The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. God orders our day. Psalm 90, verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Again, Psalm 39, verse 4 says, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is that I may know how frail I am. God chooses our days. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Our days are shaped by the Lord. That's wisdom. Secondly, our days are shared with the Lord. That's companionship. Our days are shared with the Lord. After Adam had been created, God said it is not good for man to be alone. And then God created Eve for Adam. God knew that we all need human relationships. But all human relationships, as you well know, are marred marred by sin and marred by weakness. This is why God wants all of us to develop not only horizontal relationships, but He wants us to develop vertical relationships with Him. And God promises us, we build that relationship with Him. Him, He promises He will never leave us nor forsake us. He's always there. He's always with us. He's always with us in every task that we do. In Philippians 4.13, Paul said, I can do all things, how? Through Christ. He's with us in all the tasks that we do. And then he's also with us in every trial that we go through, every difficult time, every struggle and trial. And he said to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12.9, God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. In other words, he was saying to the apostle Paul, I will walk with you through every valley and through every dark day and every difficult day. He's with us in every trial. And then he's also with us in every triumph, in every victory that he, that he gives us. In Romans 8, 37, he says, We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. He gives us the victory, and we enjoy the victories. Why? Because we are walking with him. We're building a relationship with him. That's companionship. You know why a lot of people struggle in their Christian life? Because they've forgotten about companionship forgotten about the Lord and building that relationship. Our days are shared with the Lord. That's companionship. And then thirdly, our days should be spent for the Lord. That's purpose. Our days should be spent for the Lord. Sometimes every now and then people will say something like this, especially our young people. They'd say, well, I'm bored. Can you imagine being bored in life? Bored with the days that the Lord hath made. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Not Paul. As, Paul. as soon as Paul got saved, you know what he said? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? You won't get bored if you're seeking and doing what God wants you to do. And then Paul went on spending the rest of his days doing what God wanted him to do. He said in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 15, he said, I will gladly spend and be spent. And that's the attitude we ought to have, to be gladly spend and be spent for the Lord. I've been at the side of many people through the years who were going through their last day of life, last hours. And in all the years and all the times that I've done that, 
I've never heard one single person ever say to me, Preacher, I just wish I had spent more time at work. I've never had anybody say to me, Preacher, I wish I had spent more time spending playing some meaningless game. But I've heard people say, I regret that I didn't spend more time serving the Lord. My dad was an alcoholic, got saved when he was 25 years old. And he really got saved and God called him to preach. He preached for about 40 years before he went home to heaven. But my dad said oftentimes, I wish I hadn't wasted the first 25 years of my life. I never hear anybody at the end of their life say, I wish I, I had spent more time working or playing. But I hear them oftentimes say, I wish I'd have done more for the Lord. Jesus calls us in Luke 9, 23, and he says, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That daily cross is the demand of discipleship. It is being a full-time follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is following him this day and this day and this day and every day of our life, faithfully following him. We cannot let anything get in our way of serving the Lord and living for God. Our day is to be spent for the Lord, worshiping Him and witnessing for Him and following Him, working for Him. And so we find that God wants us to use our life for His honor and for His glory. And then I want you to notice the sentiment in this verse, the sentiment. He says, I will rejoice and be glad in it. I will rejoice. This is not, when he says rejoice and be glad, that's not needless repetition that God puts there. He's not just filling up pages of the Bible or space in the Bible. Rejoice is a heart word, and it is about our private life. We are to rejoice in the Lord. And then he says, I will rejoice and be glad. Glad is a face word, and it's about our public life. You see, if rejoicing is in the heart, gladness will be on the face. The absence of gladness on the outside is a dead giveaway that there's absence of gladness on the inside. You can look at someone's face and see the outward, account, the outward countenance and you can know pretty much what's going on on the inside. I see people sometimes come into church with a long face or a sad face. And it tells me there's something going on inside. I see teenagers sometimes that have no interest in the Word of God, and they're only here because their parents made them. That tells me there's something going on inside. It's showing on the outside. The Lord wants us to understand we're to rejoice and be glad. There should be joy inside, and it'll come out on the outside. We're not to fill our days with mourning and murmuring. Some of God's most severe judgments in the Bible were given against people who were murmurers and complainers. What is a murmurer? It's just somebody who's griping all the time and bellyaching all the time. When you think about it, all complaining is ultimately against God. You see, if God ordered our day, if this is the day which the Lord hath made, then if I'm complaining about what's going on in my day, I'm complaining about God, aren't I? I'm complaining against God. That's not to say that there'll be some days when there's sorrow and heartaches and burdens. 
But the Bible says we sorrow not as others that have no hope. When we know the Lord, there is trouble and there is difficulties in our life, but it's different because we have that companionship with the Lord and we have that joy in our heart and God gives us the strength to go through it. Our worst day on this earth is nothing compared to the endless joys that we'll know for all of eternity with the Lord. On that kind of a day when we're struggling, we need to sometimes rejoice on credit. We rejoice because we know what God's going to do. And we rejoice because God is in control. Rejoice. That word rejoice is a compound word. It comes from the word joy as the root of it. But notice it says rejoice or rejoy. Re in front of joy implies we revisit joy or we recycle joy. We get joy again and again and again. We recycle that joy. Rejoice. Don't just have joy, but joy again and again and again. And that's what God wants for us in our life. He wants us to rejoice. And then he says glad, that word glad. Would you do something for me when you get home from church today? When you get home, I want you to go stand in front of a mirror for about five minutes and check out your face value. I'm not talking about whether you're pretty or ugly or whether you're pretty ugly or whether you're handsome or homely. I'm talking about whether there's any in, anything inside of you that is coming out on the outside. Too many Christians go around with a pathetic look on their face. You know, the one somewhere between acid indigestion and migraine headaches. They look like they have had a liquid diet of green persimmons and straight lemon juice. Remember, rejoicing and gladness is a decision. It's a choice that you and I make. We choose to rejoice in the Lord. Our disposition is a, is a decision that we make. You decide whether you're going to be happy. You decide whether you're going to be sad. The true Christian life is not something that we have to endure. It's something that we get to enjoy. And if you know the Lord, you get to enjoy that fellowship with Him. You may be saying, well, preacher, I'm not happy. Happiness is tied to happenings around you. Gladness is about what's going on in you. What's inside of you? And the next thing I want you to notice is that joy is the fruit of the Spirit. We know the verse in Galatians 5.22 that says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and so forth. Joy is the fruit of the Spirit. So if I'm filled with the Spirit of God, there's going to be some joy that comes out. His Spirit is within me and what's inside of me comes out. Joy is not about you mustering up some type of a cheerful attitude. Joy is surrendering yourself fully and completely to the genuine will and life of the Lord Jesus Christ and His life works out of us. It's understanding that this is the day that the Lord hath made. I can rejoice because He chose this for me. He chose what I'm going through. He chose this day, and therefore I can rejoice. And then I want us to also emphasize the word we. He says, we will rejoice and be glad in it. This we is about our influence that we share. He didn't say, I will rejoice. He said, we, 
You see, if you're happy and if you're joyful and you're glad, it's going to affect the people around you, isn't it? And we will rejoice. Each of us together have a responsibility to bring joy to the rest of the team, to bring joy to the rest of the family, to bring joy to the rest of our church. We tend to make too much of the few bad things that come our way and make too little of all the good things that God does for us. While on a short-term mission trip, Pastor Jack Hinton was leading worship at a leper colony on the island of Tobago. And a woman who had been facing away from him and from the pulpit turned around and faced the audience, and he said it was the most hideous face that I'd ever seen. He said the woman's nose and her ears were completely gone. She lifted up a hand that was fingerless into the air, and she asked, can we sing, count your many blessings? He said he was so overcome with emotion that he had to leave the service. And one of his team members followed him outside, and they said to him, I guess you'll never be able to sing that song again. And he said, oh, yes, I will. But he said, I'll never sing it the same way. I'll never sing it the same way. We, as Baptists, believe in eternal salvation. Amen? We believe God saves us and gives us eternal life, everlasting life. He saves us forever. We believe that because what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary and shedding his precious blood is full payment for our sin, that when Christ did that and we put our faith and trust in Him and Him alone, He saves us and He gives us eternal life. But I want to say to you this morning, sin in our life cannot rob us of heaven. All of us who are here today, those of us who have trusted Christ as our Savior, we're not sinless. We have failed. We have, we have disobeyed the Lord since we were saved. And we go back to 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins... He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Sin cannot rob us of our heaven, but I want you to understand that sin can rob you of your joy and of your gladness. I think it was Brother Jim Delishmith preached many years ago here at our church. I've never forgotten this statement that he said. He said, sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you want to pay. Sin won't take away your salvation, but it'll rob you of your joy and your happiness. It did David. David said in Psalm 51, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And many believers have lost their joy and gladness and have been a victim of struggles in their life. And they've lost that joy. Loss of health, loss of a job. Loss of finances, loss of loved ones, loss of a mate. You've hung your harp on a willow tree like the children of Israel did when they were in captivity. It is not God's will for you to always live with perfect health. It is not God's will for all of us to be rich or to have everything we ever wanted. But it is God's will for us to rejoice all the days of our life, all the days that God has given to me, all the days that He has made for me. God wants me to be glad and rejoice. I often pray for the Lord to fill this place with His presence. Because Psalm, 100, or Psalm 16 verse 11 says, 
in his presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Would you make a decision to live this coming year one day at a time and to rejoice and be glad in it? You may say, preacher, I'm not rejoicing and I'm not glad. It's not anybody's business. Why? But it's time for us to decide to quit making excuses. Aren't you tired of a joyless life? Maybe this morning you need to say, I want to get right with God and obey His Scripture. This is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice. I will rejoice and be glad in it. If you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior and been saved, you're going to struggle with that because joy, as I said, is a fruit of the Spirit. If you're not saved, you don't have the Holy Spirit living in you to give you that joy. When you understand that Christ loved you and died for you, God loved you so much He gave His only begotten Son and He shed His blood on the cross as full payment for my sin and for your sin. And when we put our faith and trust in Him and Him alone, He gives us that eternal life. We're not trusting in our good life or our good works or our baptism or church membership or communion or confession or anything else. We're trusting in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He said, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's only through Jesus Christ. And without him, you'll not have the joy that he wants you to have. Someone wrote this many years ago. They said it was spring, but it was summer I wanted, the warm days and the great outdoors. It was summer, but it was fall I wanted, the colorful leaves and the cool, dry air. It was fall, but it was winter I wanted, the beautiful snow. It was winter, but it was spring I wanted, the warmth and the blossoming of nature. I was a child, but it was adulthood I wanted, the freedom and the respect. I was 20, but it was 30 I wanted to be mature and sophisticated. I was middle-aged, but it was 20 I wanted, the youth and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle-age I wanted, the presence of mind without limitations. And then he said this, my life was over, but I never got what I wanted. Don't waste your life wanting what you don't have or wanting the way it used to be. Or the way it was. Rejoice and be glad in what God has given you. This is the day. Not yesterday, not tomorrow. This is the day that God hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. God wants you and me to rejoice in this day. And if we'll do that each day of the coming year, we can have a successful year and a blessed year and enjoy the presence of God in our lives throughout the year. Let's bow our heads together for prayer. Lord, you know our hearts today. Many of us are rejoicing and glad. Because we understand this is the day that you have made. And you've planned it for us. And we trust you. 
Though there may be times when our heart aches and our body hurts, we still know this is the day that the Lord hath made. And we can enjoy your presence and we can enjoy your fellowship. And yes, one day we look forward to that day when we're home in heaven with you for eternity. But until that day, would you help us to make the most of this day? Help us to make this day count for you. Help us to make the rest of our life, whatever we have left, count for you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you just, in your heart and in your mind right now, imagine for me just a piece of blank paper, okay, in front of you. If you have a piece of blank paper, I want you to put two, you're going to put two marks on either side of the paper, okay? And then draw a line across from those two marks. Now, this is your birth, and this is your death. Now, where are you in your life? Birth, death, where are you in that line? I'd have to say I'm 73 years old, so i got to be over here. I don't know if I'm here, but I'm, I'm over here. Where would you put yourself in this? Now, let me ask you a question. Wherever you are on that line, what are you going to do with the rest of it? You can't do anything about this back here. It's gone. We're going to start a new year. What am I going to do with the rest of my life? One thing God wants me to do is rejoice and be glad in it. And use your life for the Lord. You're going to spend it on something. Spend it on the Lord. Make it count for Him.